If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Mitchell Report Unleashed podcast. Special guest. This is going to be episode 173. You know, end of the year is here, and I think it's time we talk about movies. I think it's time to get a movie reviewer to come on the show here. So today, I got a treat for you guys. It's a very special guest from One Movie Punch podcast. My friend Joseph Dubzinski. You got it. All one. right. I got it in one take. <laughs> Thank you. Joseph, how's things going today, my friend? Pretty good. It's a busy time of year, but we're wrapping up the podcast for the year and uh, looking forward to getting next year going and trying to avoid uh, all the crazy people out there shopping and running around crazy and uh, trying to keep myself uh, on level as well because it's that time of year. <laughs> it is. It is. It's that time of year of giving. We, we have our family, we have our friends. It's not all about the gifts, but it's also about the love and the joy that we want to share with our family and friends and all that good stuff. So, for the listeners, first time people are hearing you on this podcast here, who is Joseph? And give us a little insight about what it is you're, what is it you're accomplishing on your podcast and things like that. All right. Um, who is Joseph? Uh, when you ask someone who has a 27 credit minor in philosophy that question, it, it can go a number of different ways. Um, at this point, I would call myself a father first uh, and a spouse a very close second and then a podcaster third. And that's a lot different from the rest of my life. Uh, just because if you're not growing, you're not changing. And if you're not changing, you're not growing. Um, uh, oh, gosh, what am I trying to accomplish with the podcast? I'm not actually sure. It changes from, from uh, month to month, it seems. Uh, when I first started the podcast, it was back in about December 2017. And I was just wrapping up. Uh, that year's uh, Doug Loves Movies Challenge, which is to try to watch 365 new movies to you 
that meet Oscar uh, conditions or whatever, all the Oscar requirements uh, in 365 days. And I'd actually finished that sometime in July or August, I think, um, and was just kind of looking back at all the movies that I had watched and how much I had actually learned from watching all of the movies that I was watching. And so I wanted to event, well, to start, I wanted to be a film critic for the local paper. And uh, I think I can resubmit my uh, credentials now after almost two years of podcasting. Um, and so I started practicing writing reviews for the movies I was watching. And then about the beginning of December, uh, 2017, I decided that I could uh, probably put out a daily movie review podcast. I hadn't seen one like that anywhere else um, and nothing that lasted longer than about a month. So I set myself a challenge. Um, I had recently left my job earlier that year um, to spend more time with my family, uh, which sounds like a cop out, uh, but it's not. Um, my daughter will be graduating high school in a few years and she's dead set on going elsewhere for college. And so I wanted to make sure I was there for her last three years or so. Um, so I, uh, I started the podcast and it was really rough starting out. It was mostly a challenge to myself. Mm -hmm. uh, but once I got into a groove, it became uh, kind of a part of my life. It was nice to be ahead on movies. It was nice to see what else was out there. I grew up watching movies. Uh, movies for me when I was younger was one of the few ways that I could uh, explore the outside world because that was in the 80s and 90s before there was an internet or webcams or no no totally, totally totally yeah so uh it was nice to uh start getting back into movies and recognizing all the movies for uh how they are now and give me a chance to have some thoughts about those okay no it's a, it's a very very inspiring story right so not a lot of you know a lot of people when we 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 do our podcast and things like that so it's always like one of those questions i always make sure i ask the guest you know who are they? You know what I mean? To get a little bit of an insight because sometimes we get so caught up in our podcast. I think some of the listeners want to, they appreciate a little bit more of like, oh, a little bit of a side story here or there. You know what I mean? And all that good stuff. So no, it's, it's, that's a pretty amazing, you know what I mean? Some, some nice information there. So the listeners can really know who it is that you are. You're an avid reader, Right. And one of the one of the questions I also I always always ask people is the books that they're reading, uh, their top five, maybe maybe they have a top five maybe they have a top three. But for you, you say you seem like you read a lot. So what are your top five books and must reads for myself or, you know, the general public? Gosh, top five books. My cat seems to think that she has one. Um <laughs> Top five books. That is a very tough question. Um, I'll give you uh, five that I've uh, read this year, maybe. Um, I try to read between uh, 25 and 50 books a year. That's amazing. Um, some of them are uh, kind of short novellas slash poetry collections, so it feels a little bit like cheating. Um, some of it uh, are short philosophical things I've been reading. Um, this year, I have been going through a list of let me just bring it up here the cat wants to in, in uh introduce himself or herself to the to the podcast also too 
Yeah, she wants to also have the attention that she's not getting. Um, <laughs> it's totally fine. I love it. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Books read this year. Um, so I I, uh, I I read books in like three general categories. Um, one category is that I'm trying to get through the list of the 100 most influential uh, books ever written. Um, it was a list put out sometime uh, last century. I forget when. But uh, it picks uh, at random and from a very Eurocentric point of view, but the 100 uh, most influential works from the I Ching all the way to, uh, I think, Noam Chomsky actually uh, was on there. Um, so I've been stuck in Aristotle for a couple of years. Um, I also read a lot of uh, 50s and 60s uh, fiction, um, specifically science fiction. Uh, I like to read a lot of uh, Margaret Atwood. Um, who everyone knows now for The Handmaid's Tale, but I've known for uh, a few other works. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, Philip K. Dick, um, like Octavia Butler, uh, James Baldwin. I like the, a lot of the beats, including William S. Burroughs, Kerouac. I think if I had to pick some films that I've read this year um, or in the last couple of years that have been important, um, one would be The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Um, because by Margaret Atwood, uh, not just because of the success of the show, which has been uh, amazing, but because the, the way that they actually tell the story in the book is uh, similar to uh, how the narratives uh, were smuggled out of the South during the Civil War in the United States, um, written in that style and specifically in that style, given the, the uh, sexual slavery that the women are pressed into. Um, and I find that uh, it's important to understand how normal everything feels to everyone else in that book, as opposed to the people who are uh, pressed into being handmaids. That's not a very positive book, but I think it's an important one. And I think the prologue or the epilogue is perhaps one of the best epilogues ever written for a book. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Cause it goes to different places. Um, I think it would be important for uh, everyone to read uh, Allen Ginsberg's Howell. Uh, I think everyone should read it once, but I think they should read it every 10 years or so as well, just to see how much of it still pertains and how much of it's different and how much of it uh, is now newly insightful as opposed to when it wasn't, um, because it's kind of a rage against the current machine, to borrow a band name. Um, What's that? What's that? So let's, let's backtrack there. What that last book that you just, you just mentioned that we should revisit every, every so often every years those 10 years what what what, what's that book portraying with like in life is it portrayed through like life in general or is it what 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 what, what's the main premises of that book Ginsburg's howl is uh uh, kind of this long beat poem that he he wrote and performed a, a number of times and it was kind of uh Ginsburg just raging against what uh where the United States was heading I would you know, and say in particular uh, in the 50s and 60s, um, you know, there's there's the world we saw on television and in the movies. Um, and then there was the actual 50s and 60s. And it looked a lot different if you didn't live in small towns or suburban areas or one of the, you know, rich and elite folks who lived in the cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, he was raging against, you know, how brands were becoming the thing and the madmen um, and the ad, mad, well, madmen, but the advertising and the role of advertising in society and uh, the wars that were starting and continuing. Uh, even then, uh, I think Vietnam was contemporary as well. Um, 
you know, just, I was, I'm always struck when I read how, uh, the first, when I read it the first time I was younger and I was, you know, feeling the rage. And then when I was a lot older, when I read it, um, I still have the rage. Um, I don't, you know, that, that's never really tempered down uh, for some things, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but I have a lot more experience and I have a lot more to look back on and a lot more has happened in those 10 years and now 20 years since the mm-hmm, first time I read mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think works that can transform like that over time are important. And they're the ones that in 150 to 200 years will be, you know, assigned reading for, you know, public education or whatever. Interesting. Uh, looking back on a lot of what was written at the time. No, oh, I appreciate um, that. I appreciate that. It's 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 quite interesting that you say that because even and I, I get it. We're talking about we're gonna switch our direction. And talk about movies. The movie Seven, and I and I use this in, in such a in such a way. The movie Seven, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Kevin Spacey. You don't want to give away any spoilers if people haven't seen it. But when that movie came out, I was because I'm 35 now. So that movie came out, I was, oh my goodness, I was young. I was really young. I, I was about maybe eight, nine, ten. People are going to be like, why are you watching a movie of that caliber? I didn't yeah, under, <laughs> I didn't understand it. <laughs> so it kind of freaked me out a little bit. You know what I mean? And now that I'm older, I've only seen the movie twice. And now, I, now that I'm older and the second time I watched it, it made so much more sense to me because... When you watch it from a young perspective, right, it's like, is this a horror movie? Is this a thriller? What's going on? There's a guy that's committing all these all these killings. He's he's doing the seven deadly sins, all this stuff. But now that you're older, it's it's quite crazy how much you actually grasp now. And I feel like when I go watch it again, maybe when I get in my forties and my fifties, because in my in my in my in my native tongue i would say is that's a movie that's important to the thriller culture because of how much it set the tone for a lot of other thrillers that are out there right now you know what i mean yeah i've always thought uh i remember when i saw seven it was in a uh small town theater uh in like the second row and that was back before the second row was still comfortable (laughs) crane your neck and and uh, give yourself a herniated disc in the neck just to see the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, that's why I remember it, though, because it was so painful to to sit through it, even though it was so captivated watching just this, you know, I think I was 18, maybe 17 when that film came out. Yeah. Um, and I, I uh, uh, it, it was certainly one of those films that, that made an impact on me because up until that point, the only things I'd really seen uh, were films that were on syndicated television, all heavily edited um, never any you would never get seven onto syndication without it losing uh, just about all there is to it and then uh, uh, watching what I could find at the video store and you know video rentals back then were about strangely what they are now like four dollars a piece or whatever <laughs> it was <laughs> kind, of, kind of weird uh, how we're right back to there uh, but um, th- that film uh, pushed a lot of uh, great envelopes I think for we're kind of bringing horror into a mystery uh, mm-hmm. uh, genre. Um, and then I also remember coming back to that film later and really appreciating the structure of the film, the storytelling structure, the, the, the backgrounds, how well the sets were all designed. Yep. I, you know, I was so captivated by the, 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 
I don't want to give anything away because it's still one of those films that has a unique first experience. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh but, yeah. Uh, there, there's, there's uh, one of the sins in particular, the uh, sloth is the one that uh, got me in the theater twice. And then it got me at home again, even though I knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do like that. I also think, um, you know, quality films, uh, there's certainly films that change. Um, there's certainly films that change uh, when you watch them a second time. Um, there's uh, M Night Shyamalan's films are all you know you can watch those twice because you watch it the first time when you don't know anything, and then you can watch it a second time to see how many of the clues you missed along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like those films like, a great deal. Um, but I also think there's a series of films where, it, just as you change as a viewer um, and as you see more films that they the film itself changes because you learn how to appreciate it a little bit better um case in point and it's the one i i held off on for the longest time probably because my dad liked it uh but casablanca um i I would have never thought to watch a film like Casablanca. as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It's not anything I watched growing up. It was all, you know, 70s uh, uh, exploitation films and and, uh, trauma and, you know, whatever was on syndication. But when I finally got a chance to sit down and watch Casablanca, and it was after I'd seen a bunch of other films, um, I was so impressed from start to finish. It, just the quality of the acting, even though it was in that that style for the time, um, how well the story's paced, uh, how well the dialogue supports the story, and it's not just there's no filler in there at all uh, from start to finish in Casablanca. How I was introducing an entire world that had never seen a place like Casablanca. Um, to it and in the best way they could with you know all the restrictions hollywood had in terms of representation and and storytelling back then um but i found i could appreciate it and those are the films i've been trying to find now the ones that keep getting better every time i watch them even though i know every part of them uh from start to finish Mm -hmm. uh you know if i had to pick one from recently that's like that it's uh, uh jordan peele's get out um i remember going into that film wondering how Jordan Peele was going to do a horror film. I remember walking back out knowing that I'd watched one of the best films to ever be made, something that would impress the likes of Hitchcock and, and all the classic thriller uh, mm-hmm. filmmakers back then, you know, it, someone who knew, knew enough of a craft and knew enough about the messaging to, to get a film like that. 100%. Out. Yeah. I, 100%. I, uh, 100%. So, Let's let's go back to your 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 podcast, One Movie Punch. Okay, what are what have been 
especially with what you do on the pace that you do it as because there's so much movies i feel like every week there's something new coming out and especially now that we have the digital age we have amazon we have netflix we have disney plus we have so many of these different parameters that we can actually watch these movies now what are what are what are some of your favorite podcasting moments that you've had on your show Gosh. Um, so in 2018, um, I, uh, I had started a Patreon page and, uh, I didn't take it anywhere. I just left it there, but it was public so people could find it, never advertised it. And one of my, uh, uh friends from the DLM challenge in 2017 and was following the podcast in 2018 suddenly became a patron of the podcast out of nowhere. Like I got this email from Patreon. That's like, Hey, remember us, by the way, someone's contributing five bucks a month now. (laughs) And that's probably the first best moment of the podcast because it it was that trigger that got me going on Patreon as a whole. Um, And it got me to uh, start reaching out to more of the audience Uh, before. Like I said, it was just a challenge for myself to see if I could keep up, keep pace. Um, And it was grueling. Uh, to do it just myself. Um, But once I had a patron and once I started opening up the podcast for other guests to come on, um, I realized that if I wanted to do anything else with the podcast, I wasn't going to be able to do seven reviews a week uh, myself. Um, That's they each take about four to five hours from start to finish. That's watching the film. That's writing a good review and kind of putting it through the ringer a few times just to make sure that it it'll fit. Um, that's doing all the pre-production and social media and all the stuff that when people start podcasting, they don't realize comes with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lot more than just yep. two people sitting down. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so then uh, that led in year two to, uh, and this is year two that we're finishing up to opening up the podcast to include a team of critics, uh, other people who wanted to contribute uh, a little more regularly than an occasional Tuesday. Um, and so actually my first patron, uh, Andrew Campbell, became our first critic. Uh, and how we decide what to watch, um, I give the critics a lot of leeway. Um, I do have a call list that I try to track all of the certified fresh films that come out in a year um, because I don't want to ever give the audience a string of just terrible films uh, that nobody really wants to see. Um, and... Uh, kind of negotiate between the call list and of course films that they want to review that they're finding interesting. Um, and it's, uh, it's been a great way to go about it. Uh, Andrew actually covers, uh, fantastic fest films. Uh, so fantastic fest is one of the new darlings of the independent film festivals and they focus mostly on genre films. So talking thrillers and, uh, sci-fi horror, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, he actually got to go as a press credentials this year, uh, probably through some clerical error, as he says. Um, but he got to be <laughs> press credentials there mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. the festival. And so he covers all those films from start to finish. And like, you know, a few years ago, there were some indie darlings this year, like Jojo Rabbit debuted there and Parasite debuted there and all these uh, nominated films that are coming out. Um but now in year three, we're actually starting to get uh, screeners from uh, distributors. And wow. so now okay. one, of the, one of the challenges that I have is trying to figure out how many of those to front load um, ahead of time with the, with the uh, team of critics we have. Um, 
so that you know we're still getting the the right films but we're also not like screening a bunch of garbage because that would be just kind of going back the other way uh with the podcast we want to make sure the listener always gets with every podcast is they get a, a film with no spoilers if it came out in the last three years they get all the information they need to decide whether they should see it or shouldn't see it and we make sure that all of our films all of our reviews released for the past three years unless it's unavoidable uh don't have spoilers in there we give them a warning to bail out too if they don't of course um yeah but um so I, that's one of our challenges for this year is trying to figure out as more and more people give us screeners um, and screeners start coming in, how do I distribute those to critics that are literally around the world? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I, uh, you know, the, the digital ones are easy, but the, the physical copies, I, I'm going to need to build bookshelves here or something soon. Um, and then uh, with uh, just trying to also make sure that people who are coming on board uh, have a beat and they want to still follow that beat. Uh, Keith Lyons was another critic who came on board this year. Uh, he's a, a longtime attendee of the Philadelphia Film Festival, which gets a different kind of movie selection from, say, Fantastic Fest. So our goal is to get him to be uh, there this year and bring all those films back and and watch them. I've had to learn to trust the critics a lot more about selections as well. Um, I used to try to, you know, say, Hey, call a list or nothing. But the truth is, is, you know, there's a lot of films that don't get certified fresh that are excellent and people need to hear about them. So, um, so that's what we've been trying to, to do with the podcast uh, this past year. And I think bringing on the team of critics was one of the, the highlights for sure. Um, we did uh, two crossovers uh, this year. Uh, the first was kind of a proof of concept with the Big Heads Media Podcasting Network. Um, we got five uh, of their uh, movie review podcasts. They do a lot of weekly and long-form podcast discussion podcasts. Uh, and they came on to do a guest review, and we did this little audio drama beforehand where uh, they had trapped me in the One Movie Punch Secret Island-based bunker, um, <laughs> because every podcast has yeah. one. Yeah. Um, and then that was actually a proof of concept for me. Uh, and then in this past October, we did uh, Reign of Terror 2019, which was a month-long uh, horror film uh, reviews, interviews. Uh, we had a serial audio drama uh, where I was, uh, before the podcast, uh, before the month debuted, I had, uh, we did a little uh, Easter egg where did an audio drama where I got uh, hit by a car and thrown in the back of a trunk. Um, and then I got taken through all these different horror films along the way. Um, that, that particular project uh, was a lot more work than I thought it would be. Um, I, and I wasn't going to give up because I'm too stubborn for that, but um, I can't thank enough everyone who participated in that, both the critics and, and uh, the, uh, folk, the guests who came on because uh, th- that was also a lot of fun. And if anybody's interested, you can go back to uh, October 1st um, and start all the way through October. And you can follow the serial drama and get a bunch of great reviews from uh, classic and current uh, horror films. Okay. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And then when it was done, I, I think I slept for three days. It was, <laughs> just, it was insane getting the last of the episodes out. Because, yep, yep. of course, I didn't think to take a break after that. And I had to get the very next week of podcasts out as well. Um, which is really one of the challenges of the daily podcast. It's a lot of work. It's fulfilling, but it's a ton of work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So 
let's let's I'm, I'm switching directions I, and I'm going back and forth and, and and I'm looking at I'm looking at the list of things that I have, I gotta ask you because this is the first time having somebody that reviews movies on on the show so a question I wanted to bring to you and I'm I'm curious to see what your take is gonna be Golden Globe nominations right we 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 heard about the Golden Globe nominations we know what they are they're out general public you can go see that World Wide Web. I want to know your honest opinion. Was there any snubs in your personal eyes that were on this um, nomination list? And how do you think it's going to correlate with the Oscars coming up when they do their nominations in just about about a, about a month's time from now? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um and you don't have to hold back here. You can you can speak your mind. I I I wanna I, I wanted to that's why I wanted to do this because I'm curious. I was like, Joseph will know. Joseph will give us a, the accurate description. <laughs> yeah. So the the golden I mean, so two different organizations do the Golden Globes and uh, the Oscars. Um, so uh, really, whenever you talk about an awards ceremony like this, you have to look at uh, who's the organization putting out the award and what makes up the voting base of the different award organizations. And so um, generally the two that people follow the most are the Golden Globes and the Oscars. Uh, the Golden Globes, because they go first, uh, tend to be a lot of the testing waters for what may go on to be an Oscar nominee later on. And part of that's because it's, you know, the, the egg before the chicken or the chicken before the egg, they're going first. So they test the waters. It just happens that way. Um, but uh, the Oscars tend to be like a second round of voting. And the truth is that the voting base is um, there, there's, there's a Venn diagram uh, between the Oscar voting base and the Golden Globe voting base. And there is an intersection there. So that, that's always interesting to me. Um, I'll say right off the bat for the Golden Globes this year, and it's a problem with all the awards, the major award ceremonies, both of them, um, is that there's not a single female director nominated uh, for best drama. Why do you think um, that? That snubs. Why do you think that? Why do you um, think that? I, I honestly, because uh, when it comes to the Oscars, um, it wasn't uh, until recently in 2015 that, um, you know, there was that great hashtag Oscars so white. And that's because the, the voting group within the Oscars uh, is more, I think it was like 70% was old, white, and male. And that's who got to choose everything. Um, so, you know, there's all these snubs. There was never anybody. Um, and they would make a huge deal because a woman got nominated as the best director, even though there's, you know, a huge percentage of that. So I think there's still a lot of lingering effects um, from that, uh, given who the voting population is for the Golden Globes and who the voting population is for the, the Oscars. Um, until the same people who get to make the choices uh, take on more uh, people of color and more women uh, into the academy so that there's a broader representation among the voting population, we're always going to see these kinds of snubs and these kind of sociological blind spots from the majority of the voting uh, group and all of them, or they overcompensate sometimes later on. Um, and I'm, I, without taking anything away from anybody who's been nominated or won in the past few years, because uh, Moonlight is probably one of the best films I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, there was a, there was a huge uh, argument before that. And then there was, of course, the famous flubbing of 
best picture being misread uh, <laughs> that year anyway. <laughs> oh, we all um, remember that. We remember that. Yeah. And so, like, I think um, that's one side of the equation here. Um, the other side of the equation is that streaming is changing the game very much for a lot of the people who are asked to vote in these things. Mm -hmm. And um, if you look at the top, uh, the, everybody that got nominated for the drama, uh, best drama, you know, Netflix is cleaning up just across the board, 17 out of 34 uh, uh, categories, you know, or, or something ridiculous, 17 out of 34, uh, or they had 17 uh, film nominations and 17 uh, series nominations for the Golden Globes. And I think there's a bias towards the streaming services that we have at home now. Yeah. And that we're more plugged into those than we are about what's going on at the theater. And what I hate the most is when you get folks like Scorsese saying that, you know, all the Marvel films are the same as if he's actually sat down and watched all the Marvel. They're not the films. same. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. Um, you know, or, or uh, you know, I think it was last year where uh, Spielberg was complaining about the Netflix rules in the Academy and how they were just kind of sending a, a movie to the theater just enough to qualify for the Oscars and that that was unfair because a billion people could watch the film as opposed to, you know, whoever could make it to New York and Los Angeles uh, that week. That those two. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Weekends that it was legally or, or needed to be there so that it could qualify, um, and I think that's changing the game too. Um, you know, Scorsese didn't seem to mind the 175 million that that he got from Netflix to do this three and a half hour epic for The Irishman, and it's yeah. a great film. Great film. I, 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 you know, I I won't. I'm not slamming on Irishman at all or any of the folks that got nominated, but I do think there's still the same. Uh, uh, cultural blind spots when it comes to areas of especially best drama this year. I noticed like all the best actors uh, came from drama and all the best actresses pretty much came from comedy and musical for women. And and that seems like another like questionable uh, distribution uh, in terms of snubs. 
the big one that I think is a snub is uh, Marielle Heller's uh, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay. And that film should definitely uh, get more Oscar nominations. Um, and even though I think uh, Tom Hanks certainly deserves the Supporting Actor Award uh, with how they built that film. Um, and I also thought uh, Olivia Wilde should have gotten a Best Director nomination for Booksmart. Okay. Um, I thought Booksmart was maybe one of the better films that came out this year. Um, the other part of the Golden Globes that I, I struggle with is that they still have a, a different category for best foreign language film. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that becoming increasingly redundant as, uh, as I get into more films and start to appreciate more films. And as streaming services are bringing at the same time, not just a mainstream United States film, but you know, a host of other films coming in from overseas and in different languages. So this year in Best Foreign Language Film at the Golden Globes, uh, Parasite by Bong Joon-ho, um, who is one of my favorite directors, got nominated. And so did The Farewell by Lulu Wang, um, which is, uh, if that doesn't get a Best Adapted Screenplay nomination at the Oscars, I don't know. But both of those films are in my top 10, maybe even top five for the year and yet neither of them were allowed to be in best drama or best comedy musical because one's in Korean and the other is half in Chinese, half in English. Um, I, I see some of these divides that are becoming redundant when it comes to the, the Golden Globes and the Oscars. And mm-hmm. I think until they increase the voting representation and they just finally get over the whole like streaming rules and trying to say Netflix is or isn't a thing. Um, you know, or Disney Plus or Apple TV Plus or however many other streaming giants are going to start controlling our access to content. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. So we, we think about the snubs, right? And I, and I heard you mention a couple films, right? And you and you, we, we talk about um, women directors. So how do you feel about, and I, and I think that you you we we navigate and and this is a question I'm going to ask you because you, you're a movie reviewer about when they see us right and why when they see us didn't get the the type of viewer base or the no acknowledgement to the Golden Globes now I can kind of see something a little different because in in my personal views I'm like I think that's more Oscar worthy. You get what I mean because I think of how like Golden Globes is 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 the, is the step up to the Oscars. I've always said I say they, we're always waiting for the Oscars. Oscar night, Sunday nights, Oscar. That's that's where we're gonna be. That's what we're gonna be sitting in front of our TV to watch. Do you think Golden Globes got that movie wrong? And they because sh- there's a lot of people on social media. You're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. That have had a lot of things to say of why it didn't get any look. It didn't get one look. Why and why do you feel that is in your eyes? So uh, when they see us, we're talking about the uh, Central Park Five. Central Park uh, Five, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure we were talking about the same thing before yes, we start yes. talking about the Central Park Five. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think there's two reasons. Um, one is what we talked about before, and that stories uh, about about and by uh, black and brown folks just don't. Uh, bubble up as much in the Golden Globes as they should. Um, you can, again, take a look at everyone that was nominated and mm-hmm. see the lack of diversity. 
uh, that's there. And I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it too, is that um, when you're dealing with, uh, especially with the Central Park Five, you can't help but talk about that in the context of the, the horrific uh, ads that were being taken out by Trump um, to basically castigate the five and, uh, you know, playing off of their, their story for so long. And for some folks, like, that's enough when Trump's involved with anything, even tangentially, that they don't even want to look at it because of how much he dominates uh, all of our media and whatnot. Um, I actually haven't seen all of uh, When They See Us. I, I, uh, Phenomenal I movie. how many Phenomenal. there are. Phenomenal. I hear it's, I, no, it's absolutely on my list of uh, fun watches now that the uh, movie reviews are are uh, coming to a close for the year. And I say fun watch, but I mean that for me, as opposed to the podcast. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. I also think that. Um, Is it the subject? Do you think uh, it's the subject matter? That's why they probably didn't want to touch it. I think, uh, I think there's a whole group of folks that don't want to go back and look at all of these times when, uh, uh, especially in this case, when, uh, five black teens got accused of and, and railroaded by the police all the way from yeah. the start to finish yeah. because they don't want to acknowledge the actual dissonance in our society where law enforcement is structurally racist in addition to having individually racist cops. Um, and, you know, especially when you have families that have uh, law, uh, law enforcement in their families, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's such a, difficult thing because nobody wants to go back and look at the mistakes we've made, you know, and try to learn from them and make them better. They want to have a story about it, or they'd rather see a fictionalized version like black and blue from mm-hmm, this year mm-hmm, where it mm-hmm, looks, looks mm-hmm. at the relationship between, uh, uh, people of color and, and law enforcement. Um, or, uh, you know, last year too, uh, there was blind spotting. There was, uh, Oh, there were like two or three other films and I'm, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but that all kind of dealt with uh, that. Uh, the hate you give was the second one and I forget where it was. So it could be on a smaller scale, but I don't think it's the major scale that there's just a burnout with that kind of subject matter. Um, and that's a shame because there's still a lot to discuss. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. Film I just reviewed this week was uh, queen and slim, um, which kind of touches on a lot of uh, the same kind of, issues between uh people of color and law enforcement particularly when uh there's racism involved um but that does it in a very different way from uh the the parts of when they see us i've seen and from just following that story for Mm -hmm. years for Uh, years uh, it seems every year uh democracy now runs a wonderful uh uh update on the central park five uh you know all the way through when they were stuck in uh, jail for as long as they were up to how it's relevant yeah to, uh, yeah you know, well especially leading up to this miniseries coming mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. and i think that and i think this is my own personal opinion because i have two parts to this i think that the academy i hope the academy gets it right because it's not about that film winning per se but i know that the content matter inside of it is very very serious uh content matter and I've and I've been on I've been on the I've been on the record on the forefront speaking about it on this platform openly, and 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 sharing my thoughts of of how serious the matter is. I feel like with a movie of that caliber, and I look at 
and and and, and this is kind of segue into my other part because there's that and then there's the Ofra Netflix sit down with the actors and the men that were incarcerated for that time and I just I, I actually watched the Ofra special and what rubbed me the wrong way and I think as as a podcaster myself that's so I'm so heavily just in in tune and I always look at how capitalists take advantage of certain scenarios and certain situations because I feel it's like to line their pocket and I get Ofer does a lot for you know the people that follow her her following and things like that but how she portrayed that interview was good up till the point where it got cringeworthy for me because I felt like some of the questions that she was asking to one of the gentlemen I can't remember the one the one gentleman the gentleman he's a muscular built were this questions that she should not have even came out of left field and asked because I I know I'm not on the on the stature of of, of Oprah Winfrey but at the same time I'm like you got to know when to draw the line you know what I mean and I get that Netflix will throw these people crazy money but that doesn't mean you lose your identity because of the check and like some of the questions where he answered from when he was incarcerated about his mom and about his dad I'm like she laid it on to a point of a rapid pace. So it's just like, yo, listen, the man's already grieving, like to go through something of that nature and to be incarcerated for something that you've never been commit of the serious of the, of the topic that, that, that's, that's, that's at hand of the subject matter. It's, it's not something you can play around with. You know what I mean? Cause it changes us as human beings. You know what I mean? So I hope that what I'm trying to say here is that yes, the golden globes didn't get it, right because they do their thing they do their job they do what they want to do but i hope that the academy at least acknowledges what has happened with the subject matter of that film because a lot of people have said this i've 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 read plenty verified accounts that have all said is when they see us should have never got the snub it should have actually got some sort of recognition if it's not best picture Hey, the acting was superb. You know what I mean? The gentleman, um, uh, Jarrell Jerome that played Corey Wise and, and his his uh, representation of when he had to go off to Rikers because he was tried as a as a, a more of an adult at the time because of his age yeah. and things like that. So it's 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 very, very deep and it's very heavy. And like I remember why I watch it by myself. I won't lie. I watch it by myself and. I I I power watch a lot of these shows when it, when it's interesting enough. But I did when they see us in about uh, a day and a half because it was gripping. And when it got to the Corey Wise situation, I had to see what he had to go through because he was separated from the other guys. I'm like Gerald Jerome for him to just re- to have that cap- captivated piece and learning from Corey Wise and things like that. It was it was gripping to me because I, I said I could feel his pain, I literally could feel his pain, and and I feel like we watch movies and we can sympathize and we can feel the pain of a lot of these actors, even though they're acting out what it is that is set in front of them. But the premise of how serious the subject matter is, I feel it hits differently in in, in our in our in our soft spot. So we we tend to sympathize a little bit more. I I agree. Yeah. Um I think it's going to have a hard time with the academy unless they're running the 
the five hours as a single film uh, for two weeks someplace. They did that a few years ago for a few other uh, miniseries slash docuseries that they did. I think that the one, uh, The People versus O.J. Simpson, they actually took to the theaters so that it would be recognized by the Academy because the Academy just does films. That mm-hmm. They don't touch the these kind of film series unless they go out of their way to to uh, go through it. Um, so I, I, I don't know if it's going to be picked up by the Academy unless they, they go that route, but I'm certainly looking forward to watching the rest yeah. of it now. I, yeah. I, I it, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly something that needs to be discussed um, more, more often than not. There was another film called uh, uh, strong Island a couple weeks or a couple years ago. That was about uh, the New York uh, justice system and how uh, somebody who got shot at somebody else's uh, place ended up being charged with robbery or something like that. I, I forget. Murphy. And it has to do with the way that New York handles uh, all the incoming uh, issues that get raised to it and the grand jury and, and how they just kind of decide things willy nilly. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff, especially how, when they see us ties into that same uh, uh, grand jury or forget what they call it, um, that, that, you know, exposing that for the kind of corruption of justice that a lot of New York policing has turned into uh, is important, especially if we're ever going to be able to put faith back into police again, like, you know, we kind of think we had faith in, you know, years before, yeah. uh, at least if you watch enough movies and television, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and know what's going on. See, I I, 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 I echo what you say there, but I also feel like it's even the humanity itself. You know what I mean? Because police is one thing, but in, in, in humanity and you it just, there's a lot of, I always say that the job shouldn't change how we perceive individuals. You know what I mean? But it's 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 very unfortunate, you know, Joseph. It's it's unfortunate that the the policing system in 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 parts of the states there is 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 very corrupt in ways. It's there's racial segregation, and it's like yes, me being in Canada and. You know, me being and I and I and I don't try to weigh too high or too far on the right or the left side. I, I don't ever make it about black and white, but there's there's things that you 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 they have to go into question. You know what I mean? And and you know, it's like if if anybody of any type of color was to experience any type of segregation or religion, you know what I mean? It's it's very tough. You know what I mean? It's like we have to then look at humanity itself. And we have to look that in the mirror and say, "Is why you know what I mean?" It's it's time for us to kind of just figure things out and have conversations amongst our our one another's. You know what I mean? Like how we're doing here today. You know, so it's it's quite tough. And it's I I wish that I could go out there and stand on the top of a hill and and be able to lead that lead that charge. But it, it takes it takes many many voices to speak up, you know what I mean, and to actually want to to ride the ride that same wave. I actually think uh, that's the power of of uh, storytelling and visual mediums, whether that's television or movies or or even the new kind of experimental uh, places like YouTube and TikTok. Even um, you know uh, they they give us an opportunity to have these discussions in ways that that aren't arguing around the Thanksgiving table or, yeah. or, you know, whatever, 
however it, it gets portrayed, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes, I mean, it certainly um, gives you a, a way to focus in on topics without having to always make it personal unless it is personal yeah, uh, for, for someone, you know, 100%. I, um, and so I, I see, you know, films being able to do that. In fact, I think uh, the most important film or show that could be made right now is uh, what, uh, the world would look and feel like after, say, a, a Green New Deal uh, averted climate change and what that would look like, mm-hmm. um, you know, because then we, we have our eyes on the prize in the same way that I think that Star Trek uh, as a series and then as a series of movies afterwards and as a franchise as a whole now is giving us kind of something to shoot for, yeah. uh, you know, as, as a future where, yeah, there's no money and everybody has a purpose and, you know, we make sure everyone's fed and, you know, but we're still exploring and we're still interacting with other, you know, people and civilizations. And, and, you know, it's, um, that, that's, that's the, the, I think that would be a good thing to see instead of, uh, and I love the show, but, you know, it's hard to watch the walking dead and, and the, the multiple clones of that show um, where we're looking at, you know, dystopian futures or, or uh, our post-apocalyptic futures, you know, it, it makes me feel incredibly prepared for the zombie apocalypse, but it doesn't make me feel very prepared for maybe avoiding that. You know, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, I, 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 I think if there's anything in, in humanity's uh, general, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, biological drive. It's that uh, it's, I, I think we want to survive um, first and foremost. Uh, that's just built into all life really. Mm-hmm. But I think we want to survive in peace after that. And we just spend our entire lives uh, being told that that's a fantasy. It is. It is. Believing it's a fantasy, you know, and then, um, I, I am one of those people who thinks we can have a utopia at some point in the future, mm-hmm. just not mm-hmm. right now, not without addressing things like well, Central Park Five or yeah. or whatever. You yeah, know, I think yeah, there is yeah. a way we can get. Now, I'm not talking about like a one world order where we're all like singing kumbaya. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I get what you, you mean. Know, I get what you mean. That. But I think we can have communities that are self sustaining yeah. and deal with community yeah. level problems yeah. and and not have to worry about you know that we're a, that a film that's getting made around the world is somehow personally offensive to us um, or our community or, or whatever it is. I, yeah. I think it's, it's this weird transition that uh, we're going to go through a, as a society and it's going to be measured by what does information mean with the internet and how does that affect us? And then whatever the effects of catastrophic climate change mm-hmm. may end up being, you know, yeah. whatever that takes everything else is window dressing <laughs> no no it's so true it's so true and and yeah. i'll take one stab at this as, as we're as we're getting to wind down the, the the podcast here is is that i feel like just the way that yourself i, I know you do a little bit of different assignment here there on your podcast the one movie punch and you 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 review movie movies what we're doing here is we're both sharing a voice i have a podcast you have a podcast and i think that the way that the world's being portrayed right now and there's so many people that have a voice and then sometimes we have to watch what we say because we may offend certain parameters. Because I think that 
what and i'm not calling anybody out because i can talk about the masses i think there's some people that listen and they just look for to hear what somebody's saying to grasp off the negativity first and i do it in a reverse effect i always look at okay what's this person saying let me replay it back a couple times and try to take the good from what they're saying because if you it's easy to look at the negative it's easy. It's so easy to look at the negative. Like I'm pretty sure I can go on one of your podcasts, and if I look at one of if I look at one of your review shows, I could be like, "Oh, he said this, 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 this," and I could pull the negative from it. That makes me not want to go watch the movie. But now, if you have a freedom of speech and you're speaking things of natures that require us to bring an awareness to it, yeah, you can find the negative, but try to find and understand the positive. And I think that. Truer in such an uproar of what we have to be case sensitive of what we would have to say, a lot of people look and they want to then take our words or take the things that we say and not even say use it against us, but find talking points to, to create more of an uproar or more of an outcry. You know what I mean? Yeah, so some of the advice I give all the critics and all the guests that come onto the show is uh, there's, there's a list of guidelines I give everybody. And a lot of it's common sense yeah. uh, um, just to prevent people from pushing a, a, you know, some bigotry or whatever. I don't need any of that. And, uh, or, you know, how to write it. What's the first paragraph, that kind of stuff. But the two bits of advice I give people is who are critics or want to guest on the show is that it's okay to like something, but you have to be able to say why you like it. Yeah. You can't just say it's awesome and say it's awesome over and over again. And similarly, it's okay to not like something or to be even offended by uh, a movie if it deserves the offense, but you got to say why, and you got to, you got to explain it in such a way that it's not just, you know, F this movie, I don't like it mm-hmm. or, or whatnot. Uh, or, 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 uh, or uh, I don't like this character uh, because, you know, they're a POS. And, and really, that's not good enough. You need to explain why mm-hmm. that character is so offensive, you know, and, and dig down. Because if, there's a, if, if, if it's making you react that way, whether it's extreme positivity or extreme negativity, there's a reason for that. 100%. And that's, that, that's, that is what the, the listener wants to know. They want to know what is it about that character that you don't like. Not that you just don't like that character. Um, and so like it, I have found in having done probably 500, 550 plus reviews now, um, that it's really tempered me in terms of, uh, being not liking a film or liking a film. Like it's, it, I, and I tend towards the really liking films, uh, and giving them the benefit of the doubt now, because after watching as many as I have and seeing really bad films and then seeing films that are actually perfectly fine, they're just not as exquisite as your Tarantino or your Jordan Peele or, or whatever, um, that all of that, we're just trying to figure out why we like it and then get to that point of it. And having that insight is really what that movie should be trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. every movie has a message. And if you can't find that message in the movie, then, you know, you're just there for entertainment. You're just there for Most entertainment. Yeah. 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 And if, if that's okay. It's okay to be there for entertainment. But if there's a message there, that's what we want to get to. And and sometimes you've got to dig through a lot of, of feelings first yep. before you get to the insight that it comes through those feelings. Absolutely. So, 
Well said, Joseph. Yeah. Well, brilliantly, well, articulately said. We come to a portion of our show, and, and I'll, I'll say this before I even say what I'm about to say is, the brilliance that you just shared in this almost going on for an hour on this podcast and just speaking, you know what I mean? And just how articulate you are. I feel like this is something I would love and I'm open to do again because there's, there's my mind's going, my, I wouldn't say my mind's going crazy, but there's so much going on in my mind that I feel like with just the hour that we've shared here of just communicating, there's so much more I could get into, you know what I mean? Which would be down the road, you know what I mean? Because like I said, you're, you're, you're brilliant of what you've what you're starting to accomplish there on the one movie punch. I've, I'm starting to tune into these episodes. They're they're pretty brilliant. <laughs> I like I like it. It gives me a better. It gives me something different because we're so used to going to Rotten Tomatoes or all these review sites to read. I rather listen sometimes now. There's certain things I want to read, but I rather listen to what the reviewer is telling me to make me be like, okay, is this something I want to go check out on a Friday or a Saturday night? Or a Sunday uh, Sunday afternoon matinee or something like that. So I appreciate you for, for what you're doing there on the podcasting uh, front with One Movie Punch. Um, what I also want to do is I want to give it your time here to plug your social media information and uh, what you got coming up in the upcoming pipeline for 2020. All right. Um, well, thank you very much for not only having me on the podcast, but for uh, all this very, very nice praise. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with praise, so okay. uh, you'll have to pardon me if I'm not uh, uh, if I'm not expressive enough. But I do appreciate it. No, and um, I get it. That's all good. Yeah. Um, as for uh, the podcast, in uh, you can find us on at onemoviepunch.com, but we're going through a website transition uh, through the end of the year. So if you're hearing this still in 2019, uh, give me a few weeks. Um, uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at One Movie Punch. Uh, no spaces, no underscores, just uh, spelled out One Movie Punch. And uh, you can actually subscribe to the podcast at onemoviepunch.libsyn.com. Um, that's our host provider, or wherever you can find podcasts uh, out there. We're listed in most of the major directories now. And if you don't see us, please reach out to us uh, and let us know, and we'll go take the 10 minutes it takes to sign up there. No, definitely. Um, for year three in the podcast, uh, we have new reviewers coming on board. Uh, one reviewer is going to be tackling all of our uh, Japanese animation uh, films that are being sent to us now. Um, and she comes with a uh, years of experience uh, watching anime, just not reviewing it. And that's the perfect person for the podcast. Um, we also have... Uh, uh, Takeover Tuesday will hopefully be happening every uh, Tuesday next year, as opposed to periodically. We're booking right now for Takeover Tuesday for first quarter of 2020. Get at us on social media if you're interested in doing that. We've got two interviews lined up, uh, one with uh, Robbie Walsh uh, and another with Alexander Cooper, who are both independent film directors. We'll have their reviews and full interviews up in January, uh, and I'll have more details on that. Uh, in the coming weeks and then uh we're going to be trying a bunch of new uh series on the patreon feed uh one will be meet the critics where folks can uh learn a little bit more about the critics we have on the show uh we'll be continuing our 
our uh, series called Zero Percent, where we review films that got a zero percent at Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. and see if they deserve that or if they don't. And the next entry uh, absolutely deserves it. And um, I actually enact the you know, the zero mercy mode because it's a film that people should have known better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the last uh, bit for next year is that uh, oh, I had it written down. <laughs> it's all good. Take your time. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Oh, and the last thing for uh, uh, year three um, is that uh, we're going to be coming back in the first two and a half weeks or so. We're going to be catching up on the Golden Globe nominees and winners uh, for reviews that we missed over the uh, this past year. And that'll hopefully put us in a great place for our Oscar coverage, which will start uh, when nominations are announced later in January. All right. Perfect, Joseph. Well said. And I'll make sure that, you know, the, the right people are starting to listen to to a, to a podcast that gets it done correctly. You know what I mean? So it's it's people in our in our society and culture when it comes to what it is we want to gravitate to, if it's sports if it's politics, religion, movies being a big, big part of our culture also, too, that that definitely it, it's people got to check you out and, and what you got going on in your growing platform. You know what I mean? So keep up the great work, my friend. And I'm absolutely more than willing to come back on the podcast. I've enjoyed uh, chatting with you. It'd be fun to turn the tables and uh, ask you a few questions next time, maybe. But uh... I know, I know. Some people have always wanted me to do this. <laughs> Trust me. It's three years of doing this. And one of the things I always get is, you got these questions that you just come out of left field with. I know that's just how it is sometimes. Because <laughs> I'm listening to what the person's saying. So <laughs> i got to throw a curveball one, one, one in a blue moon, you know what I mean? So... No, definitely. Uh, I'm I'm open to the idea. Let's definitely get that uh, correlated and let's see what we can do for 2020. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.